Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, it's Beyond the Baseline, the Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. And this week we're brought to you by FreshBooks. For freelancers or small business owners, FreshBooks takes the pain out of accounting. Have a question about the service? Here's something new. A real live human will answer every call in about three rings. Get your 30-day free trial by going to freshbooks.com backslash beyond and entering the code beyond. But there was one lady that she was sitting next to me and she stood up and she was in tears. For this lady to have that same sentiment, and I've never met her before in my life. Probably She's probably from the area, lives there with her husband, but she was in tears. Out, out of the emotion of Serena making a return, you mean? Yes. I didn't know her from Adam. She was, you know, not the same race as me, but, like, for her to be in tears, like, that was a pivotal moment of my life. Like, man, this is, like, so cute. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. It's this week's tennis podcast from Sports Illustrated. We are hopelessly jet-lagged. We are back from Australia. We are in San Francisco for Super Bowl festivities. We had plans to do a live podcast in person with Lynn Price, sister of Isha Price, also sister of Venus and Serena Williams, talking about all sorts of things, what it's like to have celebrity siblings, what she does, what her relationship is with tennis. And she decided, you know what, I'm not going to be able to make it to San Francisco for the Super Bowl yet. Our plans did not coordinate, but she wanted to do it by phone, which was fine with us. A little random, this one, but a fun conversation. Again, we had great talk about what it's like to have Venus and Serena as sisters, what it's like to go through life, having siblings in the public eye, and what Lynn does to distinguish herself, how being a tennis sibling is not her identity. Um, I thought it was a really fun conversation. So without further ado, let's bring her on. Lynn Drea Price, how are you? Hey, hi, John. How are you? Good. We're going to have some icky audio. I thought we were going to do this in person at the Super Bowl, but we're doing it over the phone, but that's all right. People are going to 
exchange bad audio for good content. How's that? We're going to have a good conversation. Exactly, yeah. And how was Australia, by the way? It was an interesting tournament. There was a uh, highly regarded player in the women's draw. She was the number one seed. She looked terrific for rounds two through six and a bit of a surprise in the final. Did, did you happen to catch that match? You know, I didn't, and that's so bad. <laughs> You're admitting it. She was? Oh. Well, you know, and the, the thing is, like, I... Just saw the scores, and I felt like, oh, maybe she was nervous. But it happens. You can't win them all. So it's like you, you learn from this, and you, you regroup and watch out. So. A wise woman said, I'm not a robot. I can't win every time. Yeah. That was Serena Williams. So um, I, I didn't give you the proper introduction here. I mean, obviously, you are Isha's sister. You are also Venus and Serena's <laughs> sister. Um and I, I'm always interested, you know, you, you and I met years ago, and I was always impressed by how you were there and you were supportive of your sisters, but you had your own life, you had your own identity, you know, you're, you're not a hanger-on. How do you have that balance of, I, I want to be here for my siblings, they're on this international stage, but also, I, I got a life to lead, I, I can't be a full-time Williams sister, like, I, I got my own thing going on. How'd you get there? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, people ask me that question all the time. I just never been like that, John. Like even as a small girl, like I just always had. I never was a follower. Always was like, oh, I'll just do my own thing because I always had different interests. And because I went to college, I was able to kind of find myself in a way where, like, I, I didn't need validation from other people to to feel like I'm okay or good you know, or have confidence, so it never, I could go in with a t-shirt and a hat with, to a party and be fine, you know, and right. of have to be the dressed up one, I just never, it was never my personality, I don't know how that happened or where, you know, I just think in the interim of living this life, um, I never wanted to live in a bubble, and I will always kind of just, you know, kind of see how other people live and learn from their mistakes and, you know, hone mine in a bit, and so, and then be able to help others. In, in that interim, so um, I think all that is a juxtaposition of where it is now. So uh, it, um, it, 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 you know, it just came into play later, I guess, because like I, I'm my own person, even myself, and and I try to help others and be cognizant of their, you know, their needs too, because all that is it's very intertwined, if if you know what I mean, like. Yeah, and I was also thinking you're. I mean, I know the answer to this, but how, how much older? The, I mean, you're. There's an age difference here too, right? Yeah. Um. So Ish is going to be so mad. Ah. <laughs> Ish is going to be so mad, but you know she's older than me. I heard that. I'm. You there? The the call dropped as soon as you were about to talk about Isha's age. Is that coincidence? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, oh, she would die. Coincidence. I don't think not. I think not. But but you but I'm saying you, you were you know you're you, you're older and you're you're an adult and I wonder if the fact that you were already had your own life when when your sisters sort of came of age I wonder if that doesn't have something to do with it too. I don't think I did actually because you know what when they came of age I was only sixteen myself because Venus was fourteen when she. Well, when, when did she get to the her first? Year? Yeah, right in Oakland. Yeah, right, right. So, so you're right. You're in high school, and I was in high school. So, and then when she got to her first year of open, I was 19, going to college, like down the road at Howard, D.C. So, 
You you played a little ball too, right? Yeah, I did. Actually, if you saw me then, you'd be like, I wonder if she had a practice because she had to have been a third. Because, like, I was really fast because I used to run track. And, like, I had a pretty big serve. Surprise, surprise. But, um, you know, and it was really natural for me. Right. Um, I just didn't love it. it was, you know, like, something like that you have to love in order to do it day in and day out. You just have to love it and you, and you don't have you, i mean I, I think we, we talked about this once you you never have the like boy if only i'd worked a little harder if only i'd had a little more passion i could have been venus i mean you, you never you, you seem to have avoided that boy this could have been me winning wimbledon no i i never wanted that like but venus would say man could you imagine you would have been a um a champion i was like gee stop you know because she made me like man you think you, if you would have practiced more you would have wanted to do it and now that I think about it, man, I, I could have like definitely paid for some more school. <laughs> but you're you're all right with that, though. Yeah, I'm still fine with it. Like, I mean, you can't if you never had it, you can't like whisper it. You know, it's like you can't regret something you never did. So, like, uh, okay. I, I I wonder too if um the the fact that you've I mean you're you're Lynn Price too, so. The first reaction isn't, oh, you know, if your last name's McEnroe and you're John McEnroe's brother, that's something you've always got to deal with. I, I think, you know, honestly, I think Patrick's done a really impressive job of having his own identity. But at, at least, you you know, you, you walk down the street or you sign your name or you introduce yourself at a party, and it's up to you to decide whether you want to say, I'm Venus and Serena's sister or not. It's not as though that's an assumption everybody's making based on your name. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. But you know what? Sometimes I realize that people say it for me, and I'm just like, what? Who is in my business like that where they know who I am, by the way? But, you know, because it's, it's not like a thing, a badge, a thing. I'm always broadcasting, and I feel like it's so so lame to do that. But people do it anyway. Like, I feel like it's a validation for them to kind of say, oh, yeah, that's what's just a, you know, that's so-and-so's sister. Or, yeah, she's related to so-and-so. And, you know, but for some people, they need that. And for me, it's, I mean, it's not going to make me who I am. Right, right. You know, so um, I think for some, if they need it, go ahead and do it. But for me, it's just, it's not going to add any, add any uh, years to my life, <laughs> as it were. So, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think people, uh, you know, people see Isha. Isha probably travels more than you do, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. But, but people, uh People, people see her on TV or whatever, but she, she too has her own life and her own occupation, her own career. And um, I, I don't know if this was something you guys had to talk about consciously or just it, it's who you are. But I, I think it's always been really impressive how you're there for your sisters, you're a unit, but your identity is not wrapped up in being Venus and Serena's sister. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think for Isha, because she's so... Um She's so connected more as far as the business-wise, so she helps a lot with that. Right. And, you know, and if they need me on something, I'll, I'll help whatever I can. But um, with Isha, it's more interrelated because, like, she, she has to make sure she's there for certain things. Now, if she does or doesn't, I don't know, but I feel like she's more, you know, and I think people see her as Isha Williams instead of Isha Price, honestly. It, 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 it makes me laugh every time, but... You know, she's fine with it. She, you know, she lives lives it, and then she's done. So, where where are you? Um, so where where are you living now? What do, what's your life like? What's up? So I live. I think I don't stay mostly. I stay lost. I stay Century City, but my mom says it's Beverly Hills. 
it's the outskirts of both. Okay. But uh, I live in L.A. Um, I am a brand developer, so I help brands um, come from vision to launch. And I've been working on several new brands that are coming to the world. And some of them are bigger than others because the names are bigger. But um, this one I just launched, uh, it's a plus-size brand called Timberland. It's, it's, it's fashion, fashion, right? Yes, and fashion. So it's like fashion development, basically. So usually when a, a customer comes to me or client, it's because they have a vision, but they don't know how to make the end result. Or they can start it, but don't know the middle part of it. Or And I've used all the experiences I've had um, in business and fashion and all that. And I kind of intertwine it into this developer uh, position that I've taken um, on. So... It's no, a, you, it, it works out so far. You, you were weren't you? At, you were at HSN though, right? Yes, I, I I did. I was at HSN, and I also was at um, New Regency Films for a while. So with that, I take all that knowledge for product placement and try to get them into films and television. I use all that experience, John, and I take all that experience and put it into brand development. Where, where do we? Uh, if we want to know more about Amber Lynn, where where can we look? Is there a website? Yes, it's uh, www.emberlin.com or on Instagram, it's at emberlindesigns.com or at emberlindesigns, but it's www.emberlindesigns.com. Let me make sure. How, how long have you been doing this? You know, um, so this is a funny story, John. So when I was at HSN, I did a... I was the create. Uh, they let me be a creative director for a line for a celebrity brand, and um, I was really nervous because this is my first time as creative director. That means I'm in charge of everything from textile picks to color picks to silhouettes to designs to how many pieces to you know the whole spectrum of the collection, and it sold out in like 20 minutes, and without a celebrity being there because the celebrity couldn't make it. So I realized I could do it. But then the company said, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. And it, it was such a blow to me that I was like, what am I going to do next? And I just kind of <clears throat> put myself together, thought, prayed, thought, prayed, and had a plan. And I was like, you know what? I've done this for them. Why can't I do it for others? And so there, that's how LP Consulting, uh, Fashion Consulting came to be. But it's, not, it's more than Fashion Consulting because now I've, branched it out and to do other things, but um, that's where it started. It started maybe a year ago, and I started my own company after that. I know, I know a tennis player who has her own fashion line. I think it's called Eleven. Have you, uh, have you any chance of doing some work on that? I've been trying, but, you know, that person is very, very um, particular, <laughs> you know, what, what is going on now, but I've been telling her, let me help you because there's going to be a time I'm going to be too busy because people are coming and I'm like, let me help you because this, you know, for some reason I'm good at this. Let me help you. Let me help you push it. But, you know, people have their own ways to do things and you never want to step on anyone's toes. But even though, you know, I would do it free for her. I was, I was going to say, you, uh, maybe your prices are too high. No, I, you know, hey, I'm very reasonable. One thing, I look out for the person that is just starting. Like, it's not about money for me. It's more about seeing the vision come to life, seeing these people's dreams and aspirations come through. 
So, so the uh, the designer we're talking about is uh, for, for those who don't know, this is this is we're talking about Venus. Um, your sisters, it occurred to me, their their combined age is going to be seventy pretty soon. Wow. How, how surprised are you that they're still doing this? You know, I'm not. I feel like, you know, with talent and ambition and strength of God, honestly, like, nothing's impossible. All things are possible through God, but the thing is, but it, it's so impossible because we're so flexly and imperfect. You know, we, we never would think that, but I think kudos that they're even thinking of keeping going. And, man, I think... Uh, you know, when people finally don't see it, they're going to be, you know, re- will, like realizing, man, this that was a, a moment, an epic moment in time that I got to witness. You you don't think we're there now? Um, no, I think people are. You know, it's never you. It's never. It's what you never knew, know what you have to dawn type of thing. Right. When it's gone, they're going to be like, oh my goodness, it's now. You know, it's so different without these two dynamic forces, so... But we, you know, you and I talked, I don't know if you remember, you and I talked at the U.S. Open the night your sisters played. You, you and Isha were sort of sitting on a couch, you didn't even want to go out there, right? But that was, oh. that was such an event, and there were celebrities there, and it was, it was like tennis's Super Bowl. And, I, and that night, I was thinking to myself, you know, people have finally gotten it. People are finally like, this is a once-in-a-generation phenomenon. This is like LeBron James having a brother who's the second best player. And, and I felt like that night when Venus played Serena at, at the U.S. Open in September, that it was like people finally were there, not just for the tennis, but sort of for the acknowledgement that this is just an incredible story, and now that they're in their 30s, I finally get it. You, you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I, for, for sure. Um, and, and I knew, like... From there, I was like, watch out how, watch Venus. Like, I knew she was going to do well, like, in the second part of that year. And it's so funny because that's exactly what she did. Had she not, had she lost that, had she won that match, I thought she would have won the Open for sure. If, she, if she'd beaten three and anything, yeah. I mean, I think that was what most people were thinking, right? That this, this may as well be the final. Yeah. Uh, Hey, everyone, as podcasters, you know what we appreciate? The value of time. Our time, and more specifically, and more importantly, your time. If you're a freelancer or a small business owner, stop wasting your time hunched over your account. Let FreshBook do the heavy lifting. You can get out, grow your business that way, get back to what you do best, have leftover time to do things like listening to podcasts. For a better way to manage your books and make tax season easy, try FreshBooks, a cloud accounting software designed exclusively for service-based small business owners. It's the personal accountant you've always wanted and needed, and it's right there in your pocket. FreshBooks is fast. Create an invoice, send it out in 30 seconds. It's easy for customers to pay online, and FreshBooks clients get paid five days faster than average. Have a question about the service? Contact their award-winning support team. Get help from real live human beings. That's right, real live humans. They answer every call in about three rings. No phone tree. No let me escalate that. No I'll get back to you. Just helpful service at the drop of a hat. From landscapers to web designers to, yes, podcasters, your time is better spent at the quarterback position than on the offensive line. FreshBooks has features that makes invoicing, expenses, and taxes easy. 
And right now, FreshBooks is offering my listeners 30 days of unrestricted use, totally free. You don't even need a credit card to sign up. To get this free trial, go to freshbooks.com backslash beyond. Enter beyond in the how you heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash beyond. Enter the promo code beyond. All right, let's get back to Lynn Price talking about her sisters, Venus, Serena, and Isha. So let me ask you this. I, I wrote something about the Australian Open, and it was, you know, all the, all these thoughts about what had happened and observations. And one of the things I wrote was, you know, I, I thought Serena was really exceptional, exceptionally gracious after the defeat. I don't, I don't know if you read her press conference or heard about this, but um, the, the first comment in the comment section was, you know, so, something disparaging. And I, I'm wondering what it's like, you know, you, you can never please everyone. And part of being a celebrity means, you know, dealing with some hecklers as well as the fans. But what is it like for you as a sister when you come across unflattering things that are said or written about your two younger sisters? What, what's that like? Well, for me, as, because I used to be a fighter, John, oh, <laughs> I would probably try to take on all of these naysayers. But you know what? I realize people have their opinions. They can say whatever they want to. But the sister in me is like, okay, what you're not going to do is discredit her. And what you're not going to do, come, you know, like, I can't do that. Like, you can't fight everyone. Because then it will be so much, like, anxiety. Like, what can you do? Like, you, you realize that some people are so insecure within their own self, like, you have to think about the bigger picture of it all, and I'm just like, okay, I can't fight everybody. Why Why do you think they would say something like this? Because of their own insecurities. Maybe they've never done anything like this in their life, and to see someone else do it, or maybe they wanted to do it, and to see someone else accomplishing that makes them, like, you know, just grieve with envy. I don't know. No, I, th- I think that's really healthy, and I think, you know, you also can't let a, a couple of knuckleheads distort the bigger picture. But I mean, did did it take you a while to to get to that stage? It's well, yeah, because you know when you're younger, of course, you, everyone you want to fight everybody. It's like you know you're young, and that that those emotions are are not as tame. But when you get older, you realize, man, you can't. You know, I I I totally feel sorry for them because of that whatever anxiety that's in their heart and they're in their mind. It's like so their thinking is so small that they can't open up to think like, okay, she's, you know, she's not a human. She's not a robot. She's human. The fact that what she's done is um, extraordinary, you know, and you leave it at that. You can't win them all. Hey, it happens. But watch out. She will win more. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, this is not just, oh, okay, I'm never going to win anything else. It's, right. You know, one moment in time. And the for someone to feel that way and have disparaging comments about someone they've never met, about someone they've never, like, like live in her shoes for one day, and then you'll see. But even then, people, like, their mindset is so small. Like, what can you do? You can't teach people how to think, you know? You can't, you can't change people's opinions on, because if they're thinking it's like that anyway, this is as few as that, you know? You, what can you do when it's already that way? Their their mindset is already shaped. You're so, you're a bigger person than I am. Hey, I mean, that, that you have. If, if you didn't live this way, you would be 
of uh, anxiety-prone wreck. You know, like you would never be happy about anything because everything someone said will tick you off. Right. Because of all the stuff that you know, like it's just like a, something that you know you it, you have a wound and it, it it can't heal, so you just pick at it, pick at it, pick at it, and then like it just becomes bigger and bigger. Just let and it go. Like, yeah, you got to let that go. Like, ooh, because you never be happy, and you can't change people's opinions if their own insecurities are so you know limited. And you have to balance it and realize that you know every. Mother Teresa has her critics out there. Like, you're not going to please everyone. But exactly. I, I can't imagine reading some of these things about, you know, my, my spouse or my kids or my siblings or whatever. And not, um, you, you have to hold me back from the keyboard. You can't read it. You shouldn't read it at all. No, you're right. You, don't oh, feed the trolls. Yeah, because they don't have anything else. And all they do is try to sit at the keyboard. And, so, and what other life do they have? Keyboard courage. Hey everyone, Ernie Johnson, you may know from tennis. He did Wimbledon for TNT back in the day. He is now, of course, host of the NBA on TNT, one of the great, great live studio shows in sports television. I can't tell you how many people say we're going to try and make this show like Charles, Kenny, and Ernie. Anyway, he's this week's guest on the SI Media Podcast. He'll tell Richard Deitch about working with the likes of Charles, Kenny, and Shaq. He'll speak on his public battle to overcome cancer and return to the studio. All-time great guy, Ernie Johnson. He's on this week's SI Media Podcast with Richard. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or at si.com backslash podcast. Again, Ernie Johnson talking with Deitch. So, so let me ask you this. I, I heard about uh, I heard about a documentary that's coming out next year. Were you, were you part? This is a P- Peter Berg produced Serena Williams documentary. There's a vicious rumor that there might be a scene with a, a rapping agent. Are you? Uh, were you part of this? Oh, I don't know about the rapping agent part, but I think they interviewed me. I hope I, I, I hope I looked halfway decent. <laughs> Oh come on! You're a uh, you're a merchandiser and a fashion consultant. Oh man, but it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't play to real life. Um, yeah, I was a part of that. It's going to be really interesting to see like the final like edits and stuff. That's going to be interesting. I wonder if you're in there. I um, we'll we'll, we'll see. The uh, we'll, we'll wait for this to come out. What um, what, how many tournaments do you travel to? I mean, what where, where are we going to see you next? That's a good question because you know I haven't been to the Miami tournament since. I was I was leading you to Indian Wells. You want to go there? Are you going to be there? If I'm going to be there. Oh, Are you going to be there? You know what? I'm trying to make it. I was gonna. I was the leading question I was asking you. It's t- it's two hours away, and for the first time in a in a decade and a half, both your sisters are playing. I know. That's why you know what. That's the one tournament I don't know. Because even, okay, so even when I was there, I was so nervous for her, for Serena, that first time. Right. Um, but there was one lady that, you know, uh, she was sitting next to me, and she stood up and she was in tears. So, like, I feel like, man, if this is just not me, it's just, if this is all, all bigger than Serena and me, it's like, you know, I feel it's just not me who feels this emotional 
attachment of like, oh, like just let it go, the anxiety of it all. But because I'm just in the, you know, I'm just in the seat trying to steer her on, but like imagine what she felt. But for this lady to have that same sentiment, and I've never met her before in my life, you know, probably, she's probably from the area, lived there with her husband, but she was in tears. Out, out of the emotion of Serena making a return, you mean? Yes. And it, you know, and that, I didn't know her from Adam. She was, you know, not the same race as me. But, like, for her to be in tears, like, that was a pitiful moment of my life. Like, man, this is, like, so huge, you know. So I want to be there for the same with Venus, but I'm just like, oh. Like you said, there's still naysayers that were there with signs saying you should have never came back. Like, Really? Wait, wait. Last yeah. last year, really? I, I thought that was like a love in. I, I didn't see anything. No, oh my goodness! There was this one lady who came there, and she was playing Man- um What's that lit girl? Manif? Is that her name? Yeah, Nick Nicolescu. Yeah, I, I love. By the way, I, I love that you don't know that. I mean, I, I love that you guys like follow and support your sisters, but you're not like hardcore tennis fanatics. But but anyway, right right on. Yeah, she was playing that first match against Nicolescu, right? Yeah, her name was Monica, wasn't it? Yeah, right, right, right. Monica. So she was playing against Monica, um, and this lady was holding signs like, you should have never came back. And then, you know, every point that meant there are a couple, you know, you know, there's always going to be sprinkles of people. And they were like, yeah, oh, no. You know, everything she was doing, she, they were bullying. And I just thought, I was like, oh, my goodness. But this one lady to my left, um... She had the same sentiments as me, and I was just like, you know what? If there was just one, I'm fine, you know? Right. So it doesn't matter about the, the many. It, that one made me feel like, okay, I'm glad, I'm glad they decided to do this, you know? Because it's such a beautiful tournament. I'm like, man, we've missed a lot. They've changed it so much, and it's such a beautiful venue. Oh, the venue, yeah, but I, I feel like uh, everyone's evolved. I, I suspect... You, you know, your your sister, the venue's different, but your sisters are very different too than they were 15 years ago. I mean, they were kids, though, Don. You can't, you can't, you know, validate any of that behavior for people who are like that young, tour people that young. Like, what are they going to do? Like, you know, you know, they're not going to do. They're 19 and and 18, whatever it was, 17. You know, for that behavior to like be a, to tour. Young people like that. Oh, the crowd. No, exactly. You mean the crowd. Yeah, I, I said. I always yeah. said the same thing. I said, I said, let's, let's just leave race out of the equation for a second. Just the yeah. fact that you would treat a teenager like that. Never, never mind. I mean, there was an ugly sort of racial tint to all this. We all, we all knew that. But right. just the fact that you would have that kind of response to a teenager is, is pretty jarring. Yeah, it's like, I mean. I, I wasn't going to say girl, but you said it. But you know she's a she's a girl, she's a young woman trying to find her own you know you know did she just come out of braces you know and you're treating her like like it was so uncalled for no matter what you felt you know so it's like but that's what I'm saying people's mindset is so small you can't you can't teach this stuff it's like There's, it's like the comment section moving to the stands but I do I do hope we see you in Indian Wells because it was it was nice to see Venus uh, doing what Serena did last year and deciding to play. I know that's going to be exciting. Maybe I'll come for the first few days. And... There you go. Go to uh, eat it. Eat it. The Nobu on site. So let me let me ask you, um, what's next for you? I mean, is is this is is Emberlin Design sort of helping out like an exciting startup, or is this something 
is this a new career? Oh, for me? Um, yeah, what's, 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 that, what's new for you? Like, what's, what's going on with you now? Well, with me, um, Emberlin was just the, the first of many uh, brands that I've been developing. I have a very big announcement coming up, I, and I, I'm sure she would love for me to say it. Um, actually, I'm working with um, the author, Terry McMillan, on her new project, and I think this is going to be really exciting. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Is it, is this in uh, p- for for brand management and, and publicity or what capacity? So actually, so basically, she wants to start a a Lux line, and um, she has all great ideas, and I'm just going to hone it in and help her develop it. Basically, so I'm going to be the brand developer for her new for her new project is coming it, up. Is it called Waiting to Excel? No, actually. That's a great, I always thought that was a great title. I know. Uh, we're, we're, we're about to hit our half hour mark. So let me ask you this. Give, give us one thing about each of your sisters that you want people to know. Um, starting with Tisha? I don't know. I mean, I, f- I feel like there's a lot of, still, there's a lot of sort of curiosity and mystique to uh, sort of the whole Williams Price dynasty and you and Isha and mom. And I, I don't know. I mean, when pe- people say, what's your family like? What do you tell them? A fun bunch, very smart, humorous, makes you laugh sometimes, can get you crazy. But at the end of the day, like, we're all uh, always looking out for other people. I, I think that sums it up. Because we never kind of take the entrance of ourselves. We always try to, like, help others. Because at the end of the day, like, isn't that the epitome the of, you know, human nature anyway? We're supposed to look out for each other. Because we're, we should learn from each other and help each other, and you know. I, I like. Uh, how about five, five strong women, five separate identities? Yes. You like that? Exactly. You can have that for your uh, for for your tour jackets. Um, okay. All right. This this is. Uh, I'll look for you in Indian Wells. We're gonna get this up. This was great. You did great. This was fun. Well, I'll see you in the desert. Okay. Thank you, John. All right. Take care. All right, everyone, that was Lynn Drea Price. Again, a little different interview, but I thought it was fun. I hope you did too. As always, thanks for listening. As always, feel free to send feedback, good, bad, indifferent, constructive criticism, suggestions for other guests. Always a pleasure to hear from you. I know some of you liked the monologues we did from Australia with my co-conspirator here, Jamie Lasanti. I know others of you prefer guests. I get both sides of that, no problem. Um, Again, tennis season now in a bit of a strange few weeks. We'll get back to Indian Wells the end of the first week of March, but we'll do another one next week. Stay tuned. Again, it's John Wertheim. This is the SI Tennis Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. (laughs) 